Welcome to the Agile for Agilist podcast. I am your host, Brad Nelson. And I'm your co-host, Drew Podwall. And we appreciate you taking the time to check out our very first episode. We wanted to come back and add a little intro to this episode to kind of explain where we are in our journey now. We are done with our first season. And so we've learned a ton along the way. We will be releasing a retrospective bonus episode shortly here. And we're very excited you're here. We're very excited for everyone that's listened so far. But there's a few things we wanted to add and explain. So one of the first things is that these episodes aren't meant to be listened to in any particular order. You can listen to whatever one strikes your interest. Go ahead and check out our list. You know, one of the ones that I liked going back and listening to is our Scrum success with Sean Bradley. I liked the... Uh... The Shuha Ray one as well. That's a great yeah. one. Yeah. So maybe those are the ones you start with, or maybe whatever topic you find interesting. Or listen to this one. We're not trying to discourage you, but we do want to call out we've learned a lot. This introductory episode was us getting our feet wet. And we acknowledge that uh, we were learning and that there's a lot of things that we've improved on now. Yeah. So we actually recorded this first episode about three months ago mm -hmm. and uh back then i remember like we were totally just getting our feet wet we had no idea like how to record a podcast we had some tools that we got together to record it and and we were like kind of scared but at the same time as agilists we wanted to create an mvp and we didn't want to wait and wait and wait till we got started and so we kind of ripped the band-aid off so the episode that you're about to listen to right now should you choose to listen to this one, and we think you should, or you could choose another one. <laughs> We're talking about like who we are, right? Like why we decided to start the podcast. And it's a real, it's an accurate representation of who we were back then. And so it's a really cool thing, like a time capsule kind of episode for us. But we wanted to make sure that you guys know that you have options. We thank you for flying with Delta Airlines. And <laughs> I kind of stopped making stupid jokes. Um, I do that throughout the podcast, but. Yeah, and that's a fair point too. Our all of our podcast episodes after this have a particular point of interest that we try to talk through. This one is just more about us as podcasters and individuals. Yeah, and our agile journey too, right? We talk a little bit about our agile journeys or mostly about our agile journeys and a bit about decision to start a podcast for sure and how we came together. But yeah, the other ones all have specific themes, right? We pick a topic each week and we talk with smart, innovative, bright people. And what I like to say is that the thing that sets this podcast apart from the other airlines is that, uh, you know, we're authentic. We're not ashamed to learn mm -hmm. in front of you guys. We ponder ideas, bounce ideas off each other. And uh, there's definitely a lot of moments, especially like the Shuare episode where, where you actually get to see my aha moments or hear my aha moments rather. So- mm -hmm. But what do you think? Is that, is that enough of an intro? Yeah, I, I think we've rambled enough. Go ahead, listen to this episode, listen to a different episode. Let us know what you think. Agile, hello at agileforagile.com. Yes, and uh, don't judge us for this episode. I think that's really what we're trying to say. There's a lot of great other episodes <laughs> too. Um, and lastly, uh, we do have a new tool that we're using. It's on our website, agileforagilist.com. You can go and you could leave us a verbal message, a voicemail, if you will. I don't know what the kids are calling it these days, but please give us some <laughs> feedback because it's crickets. 
We want to know what you guys like. And if you want to be on our episode and talk to something that you're passionate about, then let us know that too. Well, enough of all of that. We welcome you to listen to our first ever episode of the Agile for Agilist podcast. We hope that you enjoy it. Today, we're going to talk about why we're creating the podcast, what the podcast is, and a bit about who we are in our Agile journeys. So, Brad, let's talk about first how you and I know each other. Do you want to yeah. take a stab at that one? Yeah, that's a good place to start, Drew. Uh, it's kind of an interesting story or different story, I would say, not something that you typically hear. So uh, I'm a manager at Insight. And uh, I have a team of Agile coaches, Scrum Masters, BAs, and so on. And Drew has a friend that works at Insight who reached out to me and was like, hey, I have this Agile coach. Uh, I want to refer him. I'd really love for you to meet him. And I never turn away an opportunity to meet a cool Agilist. Even though we weren't hiring at the time, I still said, all right, yeah, I'll meet with him. Skipped right over the recruiter. Uh, and we just had a really cool conversation where I got to learn about Drew. He got to learn a little bit about me. Um, and yeah, we've been connecting and talking ever since. And what I think was so, I don't know, unique or what really showed me Drew's ability to coach in this interaction is that as a manager, I was going through some internal uh, challenges for my own career and Drew stayed on extra and actually coached me and gave me advice on the decisions and the things I should do with my career. Yeah. And I thought that was really cool, right? Because um, one, you know, that, that stood out to me because how, how often do you get like that level of bi-directional communication on an interview? But, um, you know, what you were talking about at the time was, was really how do you become an evangelist at, at Insight and, um, the, the strategy that you were putting together for that. And, and, and that's kind of really what sparked this podcast today was that like, we both realized that that's an area that we enjoy an area that we want to get more out of. And, you know, through that conversation, we wound up uh, continuing to talk and evolved into the podcast. So, um, you know, and I, for me, I've wanted to do this as I've told you, right. Numerous times already. I've, I've been wanting to start an agile podcast. I've been wanting to, you know, video log and all of that. And, and the, the, the kind of hurdle for me, the challenge for me to get over is I've never wanted to be the only guy. Right? I've never wanted to be the talking head. I never wanted to be the, 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 the person. And I've been looking for a partner for a while. And so I, it was just kismet that, you know, the interview went the way that it did and it continued into you know, additional conversations. And so, um, and actually, you know, fun fact, um, we, right before five minutes before now, when we were talking about this, we, we were both being a little precious with one another. And, you know, you were worried that, that you don't want to step on my toes. And I was worried that, you know, I was giving you too much to do. And as it turns out, we just realized five minutes ago that we just want to be equal partners in co-hosts on this podcast. So that's the kind of like, transparency we're going to give you on this podcast. It's not just about like the polished agile, the polished coaching, but like it's the evolution of our journeys. So um, yeah, so I'm excited about that. Um, so let's talk about that. You know, what, t 
tell me a bit about your journey. What, what's your journey been to be becoming an Agilist and where you are today? Uh, to becoming an Agilist. Uh, it's an interesting story. I feel like um, I'm going to say interesting a lot today. Uh, <laughs> it's a little bit different than a lot of my peers. And it's something that I would say I was a little anxious about and insecure about early on. And it wasn't until much later that I really started to appreciate the different perspectives that it gave me and the different strengths it gave me. Um, and so to try not to ramble too long, I mean, I always knew that I wanted to be in IT, software development. Ever since I was a kid, right, the NES, I was like, oh my gosh, this is the best thing ever. How can I do this for a living? You know, I did design and, and uh, web design when I was early teens until college where I was like, I don't, I don't really know what I want to do but it's obviously not being a developer because um, I jumped into the deep end of C++ and realized real quick that wasn't for me. I didn't really have a mentor to be like, hey, it's okay. You can be a developer and not do C++. Like, that's okay. Um, <laughs> so uh, I actually dropped out of school then. And I worked in a factory because that's what my family uh, does or, or did. They're all factory rats. And, um, and what's interesting about that is that I learned lean manufacturing while in the factory actively doing it. And I learned Kanban and those are things that I didn't realize were going to serve me later. Uh, I always tried to kind of like hide that stint of my life and be like, oh no, I'm doing tech support or I'm doing freelance work or, you know, I'd get little contracts or gigs here or there until I finally, uh, got my big break in corporate IT, which was doing QA, of all things, uh, in a very much waterfall type arrangement. And it wasn't until I like, I, I kept bugging this manager in our mobile app department, because I knew like mobile apps were bleeding edge at the time, and it was something cool and exciting. And they were looking for a QA person. And I was like, you gotta, you gotta give me a chance, you gotta give me a chance, you gotta give me a chance. Eventually, uh, the right connections put me in touch with him and they were doing this non, I'll say non-denominational form of agile, right? um, very scrum like, and then they went through a safe transformation. And I really learned so much from that first engagement. Um, but I kind of bounced around a lot. I did QA, BA, scrum master, uh, agile coach. Um, I've done design, done a little bit of everything before truly becoming a coach and getting the opportunity and, and really working with uh, companies for a few years. That's awesome. You know, and like, I think our stories are very similar. No two stories are ever really the same, obviously, you know, but um, it, we're, we're both very similar. And, and uh, um, you know, one thing that you said to me that kind of maybe go back in time even further on my agile story than I usually get to tell is, like when you said that you always wanted to be in IT and it made me remember my first computer um, was, it was either an Atari 800 or an Atari 400, right? And it was, um, it was an Atari computer that had, um, it had a BIOS, but no operating system, mm -hmm. right? And, and it had this like waffle keyboard. It didn't have like, like switches. It, it had like, um, and you would plug it into the back of your TV as a monitor with one of those boxes that had the, the, the prong things that <laughs> connected to the antenna. Um, and, um, you know, I remember like, you know, learning basic on it and, um, uh, 
um, you know, and other things. And I had this game called Trucker, which was in intriguingly enough, like is I found it on the Internet. Ar the Internet Archive has archived like all of those amazing, like early 1980s text based games. And so I had this game called Trucker. Wow. Um, and then I wound up getting an IBM PC Junior, which was my first like real computer and uh, signed on to Prodigy for the first time. And then I had a friend who taught me how to log into bulletin boards and things like that. And um, but I always wanted to be like a developer. And 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 like you said, I never had the mentors right now. For me, it was it was the 80s. Right. And, and finding uh, a mentor in the 80s um, who understood computers at the, uh, that level was was much harder, especially where I grew up. My, my family, um, we were in, uh, my family was in the garment center. They, they owned, uh, a wholesale, uh, clothing, women's mm -hmm. sportswear clothing business in, in the garment center in New York city. And, um, and then I joined the Navy, you know, um, and, uh, I was, uh, an aviation electrician's mate in the Navy. I worked on autopilot systems and, um, I repaired, uh, um, night vision goggles and instrumentation panels. And uh, the coolest thing was I, um, I learned how to repair the clocks that are in the cockpit. They're really cool, like clocks, and they've got all these like ruby jewels in them and um, lots of like really small components. Um, but uh, the dot-com bubble hadn't yet burst when I was getting out of the Navy in 2001 and Silicon Valley realized that not every household in the United States had bought their first computer. Some households were now starting to buy their second, and they didn't have enough technical engineers to be able to support the ramp up of uh, semiconductor manufacturing. And um, so their hypothesis was, you know, if, if the Navy can teach a, a high school kid or even a high school dropout, um, you know, how to work on electronics and, and, and things like that, then we can take that same person who's now learned how to fix uh, um, uh, navigational equipment, how to install, manufacture, and um, um, and uh, and qualify semiconductor manufacturing tooling with like crazy gases. I mean, some of the stuff we were working on was was really like. So I don't. If you're on the podcast, you won't be able to see it, but this is a one of the first ever copper wafers that was manufactured out of IBM's. Uh, or Phillips uh, facility at IBM in East Fishkill, New York, and um, was super cool. But I just didn't like hardware. I really, you know, I learned how to build websites when I was in the Navy and I was hosting like message forums and bulletin boards. And I loved interactive experiences. And now I knew how to be a project manager. Um, and so I had a friend of mine who had a startup who really coached me towards the convergence of project management and how to jump ship from being in the technical side of project management on the hardware side of things into the software side of things. And so I spent the first 10 years of my career as a project manager, and I would come home every single day wondering what's wrong with me because all of my projects were always delayed and always over budget. Um, the thing that broke my heart the most was when I would put together my risk register and I would have very valid risks that were written in a very clear and concise, you know, uh, risk format. Um, and uh, some of my things would be uh, red, some of my things would be yellow, and some of my things would be green. And then, you know, at the end of the week, after I had given that to my uh, manager and, you know, the director and the director had given it to the vice president, and we were watching the, uh, the, um, 
the Zoom call for the presentation of what's going on in our, our portfolio and program, I would see that everything I put up there was converted to green, right? Um, and, um, you know, luckily at one point I got handed a project team that was, you know, running Scrum. And so I became that project manager that um, upstream was, you know, PMPing it and downstream was trying to protect the, the Scrum bubble. Um, and uh, then I got a job as an actual scrum master. And then the, the, the thing for me, the aha moment for me, and I know that this is a big one, um, and this we'll talk about in one of the later episodes. But um, for me, the biggest thing was when I got hired at MasterCard as a scrum master and they were running safe and they were fairly mature. They had already done like a handful of PIs, maybe seven or eight. Um, they weren't perfect, you know, but they were, it was... I always describe it, it was like watching a symphony orchestra perform and the strings knew when to crescendo and the trumpets knew when to crescendo and everybody knew when to rest and come back together. And for me, that was, you know, answered the question of how does Scrum scale? Because at that point in my career, what I was trying to figure out is I'm a Scrum master for a team of like 12 people on a project. And somebody else is a scrum master for a team of 12 people elsewhere in the company on a project. And somebody else is a scrum master for a team of 12 people. And somebody's a project manager for a team of 12 people. And then we've got a vendor and then we've got a partner. And, you know, we all have competing priorities and nothing is getting done because we can't figure out how to sequence it. Um, that was for me the moment where I realized that like, well, Nexus does a decent job of scale, you know, to a little bit. And, um, but that scrum in and of itself uh, really doesn't talk about scale, right? Mm -hmm. um, and um, that when you've got a large enterprise organization that's got like 12 silos and, you know, vendors and, you know, offshore and onshore and all of that, like you need, you need a, a, a symphony orchestra mindset. So um, that was my big life lesson, right? When I learned that. And um, then I, you know, really started going down the rabbit hole with safe and, and I love it. I think it's fantastic. And in many regards, it's not right for every circumstance. And, you know, and there's definitely no one right way to do a safe transformation, just like there's no one right way to do an agile transformation. Um, but uh, it, it really opened up the world for me when that happens. So, but I think we both have a very similar background, right? And that we're passionate, right? right? Like at our core, who we are as agilists is we're like, we love doing what we do, right? We love yeah. it. We get, you know, and, um, and as a result, we've sought out lots of really awesome experiences to work with lots of great teams that are, you know, at various stages of maturity and um, varying types of technology and courses and we both have our own mentors that we love and uh speaking of which i just want to call a quick shout out to the bradgel guide on www.bradgel.com <laughs> which is brad's uh website um and uh you know but like we're, we're passionate and that to me is like whenever i hire somebody that's what i look for is i want to know what their agile's journey is and i want to know you know if they're passionate about agile because everything else, you know, falls into place if that's the case. Yeah. So. Yeah, definitely. I, I think we both have this, I'll say generalist background, um, which is probably something we'll talk about in a later episode, right? Like nobody, there is no degree for agile coaching. Everybody starts as something else. Yeah. Um, 
but we're so passionate about it that we're out there speaking, we're writing. You mentioned my.com, which is very much in beta, something I've played with for a while. It's just, it's a topic that we love. And I, I feel like it's because it impacts people's lives. Like truly. That's it. No. And like, I'm glad you said that. Right. Because like for me, what drives me is like, I can't be a developer. I'm never going to be the developer who builds that awesome functionality, that new widget, that new way of like the new interface, you know, whatever it is. Right. That's never going to be me. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. But I get to be the guy behind the scenes who helps coach those people to working in a better way of working to allow them to, you know, to, to clear some of the space and clutter out with them and for them to some degree, that's arguable, but, um, you know, but help bring out the, the best in them. And the, the outcome for me, the whole reason of my existence here is I want to be a part of teams that has really awesome and powerful working software in the field that is helping people to enjoy their lives more, right? Whether mm -hmm. it's, you know, uh, some healthcare product or financial product or a game or social media or, you know, crypto, whatever that is, that part doesn't necessarily matter to me, right? Um, and like, uh, this is a bold statement and it's, uh, this is a big admission. The entire time that I was at MasterCard, I never once logged in myself to the product. I definitely was there for demos and saw demos and all of that, right? But to me, like, I don't need to specifically log into the product, you know, to see it, to help coach, right? Like mm -hmm. yeah. I'm, I'm listening to people. So, but it's the passion, right? And I want to be a part of really awesome software teams that are, are moving the needle and forwarding action in the growth of, of interactivity in the world. So. Definitely. Yeah. I feel like the whole purpose of technology is to enhance our lives. If the technology we're working on isn't enhancing our lives in some way, why are we doing it? And that's a very, I guess, user experience stance to take on it. But I feel like Agile is, right? Our number one priority is valuable software. And then I look at the things that we do with teams and organizations is almost like user experience for developers. Like we're, we're helping their lives. And, you know, I, my mom was a psych major. Uh, I have a passion for philosophy. And I always like the joke that I didn't want to go into either of those because I didn't want to be a teacher and I didn't want to be a counselor. But I feel like those are the two things I do the most for people in organizations as an agile coach. Yeah. And, you know, the way that I always explain um, the, the, the first, uh, um, uh, God, I always forget, not concepts. There's the, there's the agile principles and then there's the four agile, and I'm values. embarrassing myself. Values. Thank you. Yeah. Values. Uh, yeah. The first value of, you know, individuals and interactions over processes and tools is that it's not that we don't like processes and tools, right? Um, it's that we want processes and tools that are lightweight, that sit right below the surface of our individual interactions with one another to help make better individual interactions with one another, right? I always right. describe it as that that tool at the, or the tool, the the, um, the exercise equipment at the gym where you can do the military, you know, presses, mm -hmm. right? And and you can put the counterbalance weight, you know, so this way now you could do like 500 of them, you know, <laughs> um, like you don't want to do 500. That's like super easy. So you want to figure out what is the right amount of counterbalance weight 
for the type of activity. Do, am I doing cardio? Well, maybe I do want to do 500, right? Um, but if I'm doing strength training, I want to set it more closely to what it is that I can do. Um, I guess it's reps of seven or reps of three. That shows you how long it's been since I've been in the gym. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, like, and as a coach, that's us, right? We have to recognize that as coaches, you know, we are the process and tools, right? Mm -hmm. And, and that we don't want to be, you know, we're not here for process and tools. We're here to help improve the individual interactions. Um, so, um, yeah, so let's talk a little bit, you know, briefly, like, you know, what, what the journey for this podcast has been like, you know, um, and I, I know, like, I've talked to you about how I've wanted to have a podcast for mm -hmm. a while now. It's, you know, it was about a year ago, maybe even more where I said I was going to do a podcast. And, you know, now it's uh, um, the very last day of October. It's Halloween. Yeah. And, uh, and we're first recording it, you know. Um, and, uh, you know, for me, it was the yips, right? Again, it was the fear of not having somebody to share this journey with, which is kind of, you know, prevented me. But you know, the MVP of this literally could have just been me back in February, or January or October of last year, you know, turning on the microphone. I had a microphone. I, you know, everybody had microphones when COVID happened. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I had a great camera and uh, I've always had great headphones and just recorded something and put it out there to see what it is, you know, and I lost a lot of failure cycles. And so uh, I'm really glad that we're you know, finally getting started today, but tell me a bit about, you know, like, I know you've written a lot. Um, yeah. And you've, you know, created a couple of videos already. Like what's your journey been like for getting this podcast together? Yeah. I mean, I would say similar, uh, fear, right. Uh, of unknown or failure or just fear of wasting time. Right. Like, I think that's the biggest fear that, that we have as humans. And so I've been passionate about sharing and just talking and having awesome conversations with people. Um, so I've done presentations, I've done writing, and I have a decent mic. I, you know, I have a decent setup from my years of gaming, but I didn't really know how to do a podcast. And, and I, I let all of the, I don't know, like the naysayers and the forum trolls and stuff where it's like, oh, when you first start, your mic is crap. And, you know, all of these, these expectations to put out this super high quality product um, without the knowledge to do so, or any background in audio, I think definitely was a barrier for me. You know, and the, the thing that I've realized is that the tool, like the, so the tool we're using right now, and this is not a plug, um, is uh, Riverside FM, right? Um, uh, actually, let me take it back a step, right? So um, earlier this year, or actually around this time last year, I started um, coaching my stepbrother um, and his startup, uh, librarylever.com. And um, part of what the strategy was for that startup was they wanted a podcast. And so we found somebody who happened to be in the library space, but also happened, she had an has an amazing podcast um, called London Cast, I think. Uh, I'll correct myself later, but I think it's called London Cast. But um, Heather Tesco, um, she's got like 100,000 subscribers or definitely like tens of thousands of subscribers. She's done in-person and virtual conferences. And, you know, the experience of coaching them through 
starting that podcast and getting it up and running and being in that proximity really helped me to see that the tools available to us right now really make it so that anybody can have a podcast, right? Um, and uh, like, so Riverside FM, the tool we're using now that we're not plugging at all. I wish I was plugging them because that would mean we're getting something, even a discount. <laughs> um, we're not getting a discount. Um, but uh, like, it does a lot of the legwork for you, right? Like it, it, it makes sure that your video is great. Um, the audio is great. It, it even, you know, has some filters and other things that you can do. And so, you know, that's not the hard part, right? The hard part for me was the yips of, well, will I be judged for my agile, you know, isms for mm, the things mm -hmm. that I say? And, and I kept on going back to the point of, that would be awesome to be judged, right? Because if I'm being judged for something I'm saying on my podcast, that means that people are listening to it and yeah. they are so leaned into it that they want to judge me and correct me for the thing that I've said. So, um, you know, uh, that being said, like, you know, we want to hear from people. We want to hear your stories. We would love to have anybody and everybody you know, send in uh, information to be a guest. And I was actually thinking about that this morning. Um, like, I don't have an email set up yet for, <laughs> for the domain. <laughs> um, so, um, and uh, I don't know if I want to put my email specifically out on the web or not, but uh, um, we'll see. We'll see. We'll be in the next episode, which we're going to be recording probably in the next five or 10 minutes, um, you know, I'll have something ready for that. So that's, yeah. uh, that's the burning fire to listen to the next episode. Yeah. And um, I, I think the call out there, and this is something that you and I, I feel bond over is that we're, we're okay being wrong and we're okay being challenged. And, and that's the thing that I love so much about kind of this work is just the ability to, to do it in so many different ways. Well, you know, I want to say that I, I, I wasn't always okay being wrong and I wasn't okay, always okay being challenged, but that actually becoming a coach, right, helped me to realize that, that that was okay. It was like, a, I, you know, I'll tell you the story. I've told you the story already. I'll tell everybody else the, the, the story in a later episode. But, you know, there was a very specific moment where I realized that, that I was okay being challenged, that being challenged was an opportunity for growth. And, um, um, and, and it, it's not just professionally, right? Like it, that has bled into my, uh, um, my personal life, um, which, you know, let me bring this back for a second, cause we're going to wrap it up in a little bit, but you know, the reason we, we talked about a lot of different names and for me, you know, agile for agilists isn't specifically about like agile in a software or, you know, hardware world or whatnot. It's not just professional, right? It's like we as agilists, it's, it's how we go about living our lives, mm -hmm. you know, and, and both professionally and personally and the benefits of being agile, um, in our lives. Now my fiance would say that, you know, she knows when I'm coaching her and she hates it. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> she's very, very, uh, adept to knowing when I'm asking her a powerful question, she, she could smell that a mile away. Um, but, um, you know, it's not just, this podcast is, you know, predominantly going to be about, um, professional, right. Mm -hmm. But the undertone of it is like, we are people, 
right? Respect for people and culture. And so we are people, right? Um, employees are knowledge workers. They're not resources, right? So we're not going to talk to other people on the podcast as if they are resources and how do we extract more work from resources? It's, it's people, right? So, um, we want to be people on the podcast as well. Um, yeah. And it's not a cult. <laughs> it's, it's not a cult promise. <laughs> it's funny saying that because like, you know, i I always say that like, I, I definitely, um, am one who easily drinks Kool-Aid, you know, um, I joined the Navy. <laughs> that was a big gulp of Kool-Aid that I willingly, uh, swallowed, you know? Um, but, um, and then, you know, lastly, before we wrap it up, I think we should talk about, you know, who our audience, you know, is for this podcast, because, you know, I, I, we talked about how every episode that we're going to put together before we go into it, we're going to think about the personas, right. Mm -hmm. For the various, like, you know, scrum masters or coaches and the maturity of those scrum masters and coaches, or maybe business partners who aren't yet agilists or project managers and things like that, you know? Um, and, um, you know, and every episode should have a takeaway for, you know, multiple personas. Um, so, um, what, what are your thoughts on how, how that'll play out? Yeah, I think, I mean, it's interesting. It's a little bit of us eating our dog food or drinking our own champagne. Uh, we're going to challenge ourselves to, to be deliberate with our, our conversations and make sure that it is targeted because I think people in our role love to just ideate and love to go on, on rants just about information without having kind of those boundaries. Um, but for me, you know, I, I would love it to be an opportunity to start conversations. Like it's, it's Drew and I talking and it may be some other guests, um, but the podcast isn't the end of the conversation. It's just the beginning. And we're throwing out ideas and things that we've seen, experienced, or people have asked us um, but it's just our, our take and our opinion. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, like think about all the other times in the past, especially with COVID, right? All of the cool and interesting conversations you've had with other coaches that if only you had had the foresight to hit the record button on those, like right. they just disappear into the ether, you know? And, uh, like even last week we were talking in preparation for this, um, and we were supposed to talk for like five or 10 minutes and it became like almost two hours and <laughs> probably about four or five times during that conversation, I had the thought of, Hey, I, we should just hit the record button. I should just hit the record button. We were even on this app Riverside, like the record button was right there within arm's reach. Um, so I think from now on, I'm no longer going to have unrecorded conversations with coaches. I'm just going to record them all, you know, <laughs> and, um, yeah. you know, it reminds me of if you present and you go to conferences, it's really cool to be able to meet everyone and share those ideas. But like the speaker dinner is like where you just have these conversations over the table where the facade kind of like lowers and people are more relaxed and you have these, these really cool introspective conversations where it's okay to, to challenge the norm or just to speak your mind. And, and yeah, those are the conversations that I, that I hope we get to have. Yeah. And then they disappear though, right? right? Like they, like once the plates are cleared at the end of the night, you know, they're just memories in people's minds and, you know, maybe somebody blogs about it or something like that. But so, but, um, is there anything else you want to add before we wrap up this, this episode? 
Yeah, I think, you know, the thing that we also discussed was that we don't necessarily want there to be a barrier to entry. Right? Like, you don't have to have so many years of experience or, you know, so many badges, certs, or someone waved a wand over you to to make you an audience member, right? We, we're going to try to make this approachable to, to anyone and everyone. So if you're not super familiar with Agile or you're just looking to kind of check it out, um, definitely are going to try not to alienate those people either. Yeah, and actually that, that's a good point because like one of my favorite conversations to have is with Scrum Masters whose title is Project Manager hyphen Scrum Master, right? And, mm-hmm. and helping them to um, be more empowered and to take control and find their agile voice so that, you know, even though they might be in the title of Project Manager hyphen Scrum Master, they could be a Scrum Master as a, you know, so that when when the PMO reaches out to them and asks them for their Gantt chart or whatever it is, you know, they are able to shift the conversation to things that are more valuable and, and help realize that, you know, as a scrum master, you are an agile coach. Mm-hmm. You're just an agile coach for, you know, a smaller group of people for developers, right? right? And that you have the ability to, um, to lead up and lead down. So, um, you know, and then from a the other side of the spectrum, right? Like, you know, there's tons of portfolio managers and C-suite and EVPs that I talk to on a daily basis that are, you know, they're challenging whether or not Agile works, and mm-hmm. you know, and um, uh, you know, th- that's another wonderful opportunity, right? To be able to have those conversations to help them to create. You know, small little, it's funny, actually, this past week, I, my, my fiance, I, I don't know if I'm allowed to show this, but I'm going to show it anyway, uh, Harvard Business Review article on strategies for learning from failure. They had an offsite and their entire corporate retreat was, was built around this concept, right? And so, you know, it's not just, this podcast is not for any specific end of the spectrum or point on the spectrum. Each conversation that we have, we're gonna make sure that it's framed in such a way where there is a takeaway for somebody in the C-suite, as well as a takeaway for somebody who's a scrum master, you know, um, so. Definitely. And if we miss it, call us out. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we are at the 35 minute mark. I think we had said we wanted to make these episodes like 15 to 20 minutes. So (laughs) we should definitely do a retro and discuss whether or not we want to keep them shorter or longer. But um, and, you know, what's your guys's preference? Do you want them? I I know 15 minutes is usually a good number because people can listen to a couple on their commute or, you know, uh, 30 is decent because they can listen to it while they're doing cardio, Um, you know, so I'd love to hear some feedback once we get an email address that we can insert into the podcast so you guys can email us or in a website up and running so you could just go to the website and fill out a form. But um, well, anyhow, this has been great. I think we, you know, one of our goals here was to kind of lubricate the gears so that we can learn a bit and get a little bit more hype so we don't just go into the next episode cold. And I feel like we hit that target. Yeah, feeling um, good. I hope you guys learned a little bit about who we are and what we're trying to do. And we're looking forward to the next podcast. Awesome. Thank you, Drew. Thank you. Cue the outro music that we don't have yet.